That L Word Podcast. Do you need the leadership work? Can you even love? A podcast about leadership and everything that people are afraid to say out loud. Do you love yourself? Because if you ain't leading yourself, how can you lead a multi-million dollar corporation? Okay, so for all of our listeners out there who don't see it, Morgan's trying to hit the button on the timer. We just got it. It's going. Fear not. Hurry we're up, we're in it. Win it. In it to win it. So today we're joined by a guest, a very special guest, and we'll allow her to introduce herself in just a minute. Does she I, want to? Or may, does she expect us to do it? Well, I don't know. Both. Either, either, Both. Okay, there we go. So I've known Beth for... What, five or six years now? Oh, it's at least? been longer than that. Has it? Yeah. yeah maybe 10. Yeah, it's I guess it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and fellow like wanderer, traveler, life experience, er, er, all the things. Yeah, all the things. All the things. So Beth is joining us today. And Beth, why don't you tell us about yourself a little bit? Gosh, that I don't even know how to elaborate on that. It was really good. I'm a, I'm a, Gypsy. I'm a businesswoman. I've started a bunch of brands over the years. Um, stepped into the coaching world a couple years ago. Um, I think like most of us do out of this, this, this gap that I could see where there's a lot of in the coaching space, especially in, in business, there's a lot of aggression and there's a lot of in your face and there's a lot of shaming and there's a lot of fear. And it was like, no, it doesn't have to be this way. Right. And so I started on my own journey to find my own voice, which was a whole, whole thing. And here we are. So it's been fun. I think you've told me about her. Yeah, man. We've been trying to get her for a long time because she's always, she could be anywhere in the world. <laughs> Probably. That's true. Yeah. I think we've discussed it. Yeah, Texas. Texas. Anywhere in the yeah. world. Texas. <laughs> Texas is the world of Texas. Yeah, there's a lot down there. There is no other part. Yeah, and you also own the Float Spa. I do. So I started the Float Spa, gosh, almost seven years ago. And see how time flies? I know. <laughs> yeah, so seven years ago and then franchised that. And so we're building a bunch of locations and growing, growing in that space, which has been fun. But yeah, holistic alternative options in just about every facet of life at this point. I want a one. I want a franchise. Do it. Where? Jacksonville. We'll t- we'll discuss. Okay. I've been to yours. I've been to the cryo. You should go again. I bet I should. You need to get in a float tank. I do. That's what I told you. It, it makes me I, nervous. Float though. tanks are life. Is it? Are you scared to be alone with yourself? Oh, here we go. <laughs> I see what you. I felt like it was a good one right there. You see how they respond? I was like, the response would have other stuff come with it. I am not. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it just was weird. It's like I, the, the, I did the cryo after a race, and I was like, I don't know how people can do this every time. It was cold. It is cold. It was cold, and I'm like super tall, so I, I think a lot of my my neck was sticking out. But mm-hmm. I, I will go. Matter of fact, we go. We gonna set it up after we leave here. Have a have a joint joint adventure. You guys can have your own float tanks. You don't have to share. We have enough oh, for yeah, everybody. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> well, we just talked like two episodes ago. We were just talking about the power hour, the micro break, taking yeah, time yeah. with yourself <laughs> Ooh, to just yes. sit. Mm-hmm. And the float tank is perfect for that. What's amazing about float is that it's so nervous system balancing, and people are afraid of it because a lot of times the people that would benefit most from meditation or being alone with themselves just to let their brains decompress 
are terrified yep. and want to control that process. And the float tank actually makes it so it doesn't matter what comes up, even if we have terrible things in our past, right? Because it's managing our physiological response. So the things can come up and be let go without our feeling all that like ah! anxiety. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. It's still really people, beautiful. As I coach athletes, they like, oh, I don't do it on a treadmill. And I say, why? Mm -hmm. And it's, not, it's usually not the physical part. Mm -hmm. It's like, because you have to be with yourself. Because mm -hmm. like that wall may be interesting in the first five minutes. Mm -hmm. About 30 minutes into it, the mm -hmm. wall gets less interesting. Now you're in your head? Yeah. yeah. Oh, avoidance <laughs> behavior is a real thing. And it will keep us stuck in the same cycle for a long time. It's the treadmill. Oh, it's not the treadmill. Yeah. I just want to put it out there. It ain't the treadmill. It's yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so as we were discussing mm -hmm. potential topics, and I love this because... Morgan was out of the room when Beth and I were talking about it. I'm ready. Are you talk sure? About anything. Are oh. you sure? No, I'm not. To <laughs> <laughs> so be honest, I'm not. I asked Beth, I said, hey, what, do you, what is your favorite thing to talk about? Or what do you find yourself talking about the most? And Beth said. Reluctant leaders. Being a reluctant leader. And I was like, explain. oh, my God, say no more. That's where we're going. Explain. explain. So these are the people that constantly have people coming to them for advice and guidance and leadership or when groups are looking for somebody to lead something they're like hiding in the back of the room like don't pick me don't pick me but because they, they can't see their own gifts and strengths and they can't see in themselves what other people see in them and so they're <laughs> So, I don't know where you're going with this one yeah. so these are also the people and I know you guys have experienced this that um often are like solving lifelong problems with strangers in line at the gas station, right? That you like in passing say, oh, how are you? And somebody will be like, well, my husband left me and my dog died and my daughter's going through all these life. And you're like, I'm just trying to buy gum. Right. Yeah. I was just, just <laughs> being here, a nice human. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you're a safe place. And they're the people I've, it, I feel that you hear, I've never told anybody else that. Mm-hmm. All I've the never time. Said is this that a trap? No, no. Are you I, trapping me now? I hear, no, because I hear this a lot, Lord, too. Oh, Jesus. Lord. In a five-minute conversation, <laughs> I'll have people tell me, I've never said that to anybody. I've never said this out loud. Yo, this is yeah. so in line with what we just talked I about. Know, yeah. yeah. Lord, have mercy. And it's so, what's, what's, uh. what's, the further challenge about that is that people are, like, you almost get blindsided by really heavy stuff in moments where you're not prepared to handle to it or, it on, yeah. or share proper, feel like you can share proper advice. But it's so powerful to be this place for people. It's a gift to be kind of, I call it the lighthouse, right? You're a lighthouse for humans. Gift, I don't know. It's and a it's, strong it's, word. it's a gift, but it has to be managed properly. And we, when we don't have the tools to manage it properly, will get dragged right down the river with everybody that's in the middle of the rapids, right? So like I said, years ago, and the lighthouse is my favorite analogy because we can't be afraid to say like, the lighthouse is under maintenance, right? Like, yes. sorry, turning the light off. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, and stepping away from uh, turning the light back on because you see a ship approaching that needs help, right? Just because... They're there, yeah, right? Yeah, we we have to resource yeah. ourselves properly. I, and I think sometimes we get caught, like you said, and turn the switch off. I, sometimes we, like you said, the they come to us mm -hmm. um, 
when we're not expecting it, we really weren't looking to like I was. I'm here, here. We're open for business, mm-hmm. and but then they come to you and you're like, oh, I'm caught off guard. But you do it anyway because that's who you are. Mm-hmm. And then you get in the process of doing it always because you think that's what's expected of you. Yes. Yeah. And you feel guilty. I'm just explaining myself. Yeah, no, when you feel, <laughs> but you feel guilty and shameful that here's a person that needs your help <clears throat> that you don't feel resourced to help in the moment. And now you're carrying that, right? Now the monkey's on your back because we don't feel comfortable saying, I can't take this on right now, or to adopt strategies to allow us to be more in flow with that, right? To allow us to be a place where people can set those things down and not pick them up. What, what strategies? Yeah, it's hard. What oh strategies? man, there's so many. So hold about- on, hold on, <laughs> hold on, write that down so you don't forget. Hold on, because that she, she, I was good until she said there are so many. I don't want to lose this one. Mm-hmm. So, are you saying that's, I just want to go to the, the strategies? This is going to be next, mm-hmm. but the boundary part of what we're we talking about as a coach, am Ooh. I able to say no to those things? Please say no, because listen, there is a you have. <clears throat> A certain amount of bandwidth. And it doesn't have to have nothing to do with the number of people you're dealing with. No. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be the thing. Yeah. That they're bringing. Yeah. It's heavy. This- well, and, and we're talking about it from a coaching standpoint, but, mm-hmm. and, and you know, my wife, she's the biggest introvert nobody will meet. Mm-hmm. This happens to her all the time. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I think people recognize in other humans, like she's got the, the biggest heart. Mm-hmm. And it is the kindest person in the world. Mm-hmm. She's literally gone into like, if we're on a road trip, grab some Cheetos or something and come out and be, and I'm like, it's been 10 minutes. She's like, well, I just had a conversation with a sweet little old lady whose husband just passed. And like. Regularly. Because yeah. she it actually happens. exudes so, caring. Like yes. I care. Yeah. So a lot of that is what I'm talking about. Because Shelly is exactly one of those humans that she has this heart and this she has this gift and capacity for love and people see that in her, but it's, it's a coping mechanism. And I've done it too, um, where we isolate because we don't have the bandwidth and we don't know how to manage it. So Mm -hmm. rather than trying to figure out how we can continue to navigate the world with this gift, we're just like, I'm good. I'm yeah. good on human. And there, there are still days that I won't leave the house right? because I don't have the capacity to pick something like that up. That's like, what I've been doing. I'll just self-isolate. I'll be what? over here. Oh, you're welcome. Because <laughs> I do it. Like, you know me. I'll shut down for like a week. Yeah. Like on purpose. You're like, what you doing? Nothing. Why? Because I don't want to do nothing. Uh, well, because you and need I, to be resourced. Because right? everybody outside, the, every th- I walk out this door. Mm-hmm. Give me, I need, mm-hmm. I have to have, mm-hmm. how do I? Mm-hmm. These are the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So the, same these, way I do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. These are the people that often um, <clears throat> struggle to properly resource themselves and find good support for themselves because they feel, A, they feel guilty for taking time out to care for themselves. And Two, they don't feel like anybody else will understand. I said an A, a and two, right? That's, we got yeah, you. That we got makes, you. We try. I do that on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, but also they feel because they're 
at the forefront of all these immense needs of all these humans that surround them and rely on them for X, Y, or Z, money, time, energy, guidance, support, whatever, um, they feel guilty investing time, energy, and resources in themselves because they see all these other people that need it more than they do. I've gotten better at that, but mm -hmm. that's still a problem. But boundaries yeah. are huge because I used to ride that roller coaster too, where I'd give and I'd give and I'd give and then I'd crash. I called it like I thought I was going through like periodic depression. Could it, be, it, it could it, be that to, too. Two to three days, it always mm -hmm. happens once every. I and I'm and I've been trying to get ahead of it mm -hmm. and like plan like I'm not like now like I told you like between now and and Monday that my load gets lightened like at least fifty to seventy percent like mm -hmm. I'll still do things here and there but like my self care becomes important mm -hmm. and I and I kind of go and then I then I say okay these these days are that I'm going to take meetings and talk to people and stuff like that then I go and I just I cycle it so I and it's helped better mm -hmm. but the problem is on those days. That I that I'm doing the stuff. I really do it. I, I overdo yes. it. So there, that's a that's a balancing thing. Then that's yeah. how can you build in these like micro resets throughout the course of your so you, doing days. You got to think of yourself like a Tesla, right? You like stop and plug in. You got to stop and plug in, and you know maybe I'm charged at a hundred percent, so I can drive a lot in the next three or four days. But maybe I'm not going to be able to plug in right now, so I can't take the trip that's 400 miles away because I don't have time to charge it. Yeah. Like you've got to start thinking about yourself in that term because if you don't, you're going to be that idiot in a Tesla parked on the side of the road with a diesel generator charging you back up. <laughs> right? We've all seen those pictures. Yes. Those are people that failed to like set their boundaries and and regulate their battery. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have talked about it before, like, and we've talked about, I'm not a nighttime person. I don't do nighttime, I don't do nighttime networking things, social, like I have to, especially if it's networking or it's a professional thing, I have to plan my entire day differently so that when I get to that evening event, I can show up. So you're and stopping to charge your batteries. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's, yeah. And it's, it's. My morning looks entirely different. Yep. My lunchtime looks entirely different. Like it's the entire structure of the day changes to allow for for that thing. And yeah, it's it's just giving I ourselves. I learned that from speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I try I, I was speaking in the morning all the time and I got an afternoon one. Mm -hmm. And I went in with a morning mindset. I was like, I was hungry, I was thirsty, <laughs> my energy level was different, and I was like, I felt like off. For sure. Do you think it's because yeah. you had more time to think about it too? Yeah, Ooh. I wanted to just get it over with. Like, let's wake up and do it. Like PF, you know, it's like, like race day. Yeah, like, right? just, like just let's do just it. get the gun. Just pull the pull the bandaid off. Let's yeah. not let that listen to every other speaker before me and then like have all my imposter syndrome come in. Yeah, too much conscious time before yeah, this yeah, event happens. Yeah, yeah. that's the uh, mm. I call it the eat the frog strategy. I don't know where that comes from. It comes from some smart person that wrote it in a book, I think. But Tell us the strategy. Eat the frog. Yeah, I want to do the hard thing first. Because so often we spend, you know, we have a hard phone call, we have a hard conversation, we have a difficult meeting, we have a speaking engagement that we know is going to require a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And 
often, you know, speaking engagements, we don't really have control over the timing, right? But we have control of how we resource ourselves for it. But all the other stuff, the hard phone calls, the difficult conversations, those things, just do it first. Whenever you sit down at your desk or whenever you, you know, get up and are moving about the house and you have to have a conversation with your partner or whatever, do just do the thing. Just eat the frog and get it over with. Because the more time you spend in the day just letting this gray cloud, like, muddle your brain, it's affecting everything you do, rather than just doing it and be done with it. No frogs were harmed in the making of this That's good. That's that's an important (laughs) disclaimer. No, you're right, though. And you, you... but I think that's a mindset thing too. Mm-hmm. Some people want to put it off. And I wonder if they're the same people that hit the alarm clock five times before they get up. Probably. I think the alarm clock, like snooze button people are also, um, it's probably like a whole podcast episode all by itself. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's something to be said when we are, it's an avoidance behavior, right? Like there's something that is going to happen in the day that we don't want to do. And maybe that's our entire life, right? Or maybe it's, I really don't have the bandwidth to manage the kids today. Or maybe it's, I don't want to go to this hard meeting, right? So that it's this, like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to push it off for as long as I can. Well, and it's interesting. I think I was last episode of the one before that, where I was talking about waking up at four. And, you know, when I was in and my wife used to say, oh, you love waking up. And I was like, no, no. I don't love it. Mm -hmm. I'm good at it. Mm -hmm. Because when that alarm would go, I would just sit up and put my feet on the ground. I hated it. Mm -hmm. But I was eating the frog of getting up. Even this morning, because I don't wake up this early anymore. The alarm went off and I was like, oh. (laughs) You know, and I just sat up and I put my feet on the ground and I got moving. Uh But it's, yeah, and then it just came to me about the alarm. Like there, Mm -hmm. my wife will do it and my daughter will do it. You know, they, they hit the alarm and I'm like, hey, sleep hygiene is a real thing. Like, it's proven. This is science. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell us really big. Really, really <laughs> a little like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Up there. Got a little amped. We you accept like, you who you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's get back to the, the um, reluctant leader thing. And we were talking mm-hmm. about, like, the strategies. So mm-hmm. setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's huge. What are some other strategies? Because we dealt with this in the military a lot. I've dealt with this in, in, on the outside with corporate clients as well. And I've had this conversation with a lot of leaders mm-hmm. in groups, specifically like in workshops. I will say to them, don't assume that somebody you're leading wants to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Because we've all encountered people that don't want to. They want to be an individual contributor because that's what they love doing. And they don't want any part of leading other humans. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But then when you... so. I don't think you're talking about those people. You're talking about people who are naturally gifted at it and just find themselves in the position or both. both. Okay. So I think a lot of the people that prefer to hide in the background and be contributors, um, some of those people are absolutely in this category. It's they don't want to lead because they don't feel qualified to lead, not because they wouldn't be good leaders. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that depends highly on the environment. And their knowledge of themselves and what leadership means. You guys talk a ton about um, leading with humility and leading with humanness, right? Where we don't have to be something we're not to create impact. And there are so many people, business owners, 
community leaders, leaders of organizations, leaders of groups that feel like they have to be something else and it's killing them from mm. the inside out, right? It's eating them alive and they're not aware or confident enough in their own style and who they are and what they're not good at. And this struggle with imposter syndrome is I can't let anybody see that I'm not, that I don't know the answer or that I'm not as good as they think I am, or I'm not as capable because then they'll lose their trust in me. And so then they spend all their time trying to look like they're good at everything. And that's exhausting. Yeah. Right. And then we get in this overwhelmed state because it's like, oh God, what are they going to ask me today? I don't have the answer. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm going to say to them. And the pre it's like being in a pressure cooker, like over the course of time, it just builds and builds and builds. And then we collapse. And so a lot of the strategy is it's an inside job. So we have to learn how to own who we are, which means we have to become observers of our life experience, right? We're not going back to blame, shame, or judge ourselves or the people that raised us or our caregivers or our coaches or whatever. We're just going back to figure out how we got here with this mindset pattern. And from there, we can figure out what our own unique gifts and strengths are and grow more confident in those things. Because it's really easy for me to say now, that's not my thing. I'm not good at that. Here's the person you should talk to. Before, I never would have said that. I might have spent 12 hours trying to figure it out I've been like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll build you a P&L. Got it. And I'll watch like 50 YouTube videos and waste all my time for three days trying to figure out how to do this thing when I could have just called somebody else and said, mm -hmm. you're the guy that does the things, right? Can you? Great. Thanks. But I didn't want anybody to think I couldn't do it. Does that come from pleasing? Yeah. It's a lot of, um, and I think... Leaders with servants' hearts are typically like this. There's this um, people-pleasing mentality. We want people to feel love. We want people to feel cared for. And it's, that's very tied in. The self-neglect is tied in, right? The I'm just going to keep giving nonstop because people need me. Mm -hmm. But what version of you is showing up for those people? And what's the story you're telling yourself about people needing you? There's a lot of facets to that. On one hand, it's very pressury. Yeah. Um, I think ego sneaks in too. It does in a very strange way. So in the way that, and I had this conversation on a client call three weeks ago. It's like, consider that as people pleasers, we don't want anybody to think that we're selfish. It's like the bane of our existence for anybody to think we're self-centered or selfish or any, or any of those characteristics. I was like, but also think how many things a day you make about you from a bad, from a bad way, right? Where it's like somebody's energy is off and suddenly your inner critic is like, what did you do? Mm -hmm. How can you fix it? This is your responsibility now. When the reality is, like, somebody got a flat tire on the way to work, it has nothing to do with you, like, just. This is like Cartman's triangle mm -hmm. in a nutshell, mm -hmm. you know, but we normally talk about the victim, 
Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is the rescuer. Mm-hmm. We're yes. putting ourselves in that rescuer position instead of that coach or supporter position mm-hmm. where I've got to fix it, not how can I be there to support you in your journey to do whatever. Right. That was one of the things that I did wrong for a long time. And it's been an interesting shift because at that time, I thought that I was helping people by doing for them. Yeah. That, you know, I was constantly bailing people out of emergencies and hardships and all. And it was like, like, okay, like, here I come. I'll fix the things. And then I realized how often they were jumping right back in the same river. And I was like, okay, well, now I'm not well because all my resources are being sucked up. They're still not well. So where's the boundary, right? And how can I actually help them? Yeah. And help them help them, right? So then that's a whole different evolution of things. So we can still help and care for people. It just has to be from a different way. From a supporting mindset. Mm-hmm. Instead of, and, and we talk about this quite a bit, you know, support versus help, just semantics, the word. Yeah. If I support you, I'm there to support, whereas I'm helping you like I'm actually doing something. Mm-hmm. Support can take on the role of help if needed, but it can also take on the role of, I just need, you, I just need to know you're on my corner. Yeah. Or I just need to know you're a resource if I need it. Mm-hmm. Whereas help, it's more like I'm coming in off the top ropes to, you know, I'm here, I'm mm-hmm. here. Hey, everybody calm down. I'm here to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, um, for me and my journey anyway, it wasn't, it, that wasn't an ego thing. It wasn't like I'm better at all of this right. than everybody else. It just was my ability to see that I had the ability to help them out of whatever mess they were in. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. And so it wasn't some, you know, delusion of grandeur. It just was, I know that I'm capable of helping. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really, really interesting perspective in terms of how all of that takes shape and how we learn to be supporters instead of doers in all the facets of our lives, right? What other um, skills or tricks would you... Tricks. Tips or uh, tricks? Yeah, so a lot, of, a lot of what I talk about and a lot of what I teach is based on breaking subconscious patterns. So often we, we have this programming in our subconscious mind. Of course, the subconscious mind actually controls 90% of what we think, feel, and do every day without our even knowing it. And then we have the 10% of our conscious brain that's like the intellectual goal-setting part of us that's setting our action plan. If our subconscious mind isn't on board or has some deep-rooted fear about whatever that thing is, which is usually tied to lack of self-worth, it's lack of, um, it's fear of rejection, fear of getting like cast out of the tribe away from the fire circle, right? It's like we need to belong because if we don't belong, we'll die on the tundra. Yeah, scarcity. Yeah, and it's, it really is like a very primal survival part of our brain that now is tied into modern life. And when we learn how to translate that properly and figure out what it needs from us, now all of us is playing on the same team instead of this one side like pulling us backwards from where we want to go. It's fascinating. But subconscious patterns, when we learn how to dig into our subconscious brains, which 
is nuanced but easier than people think, we can break patterns and experience like kind of these like quantum leap results very, very quickly because we get out of our own way. And until we can't do surgery on ourselves, so we can't see how we're in our way until somebody's like, hey, um, that might be fear. That's why I was asking you if you're scared to be alone with yourself. I'm in deep thought right now. I love it. Yeah, I, I love. I, I can always tell when Morgan goes in the zone because yeah. he starts messing with the wire. Yeah, making people I'm, think like, my I'm, favorite I'm thing. Trying to, but I'm trying to focus and say time because cameras on us. But like, I like I rather just like zone out because I like when I think I just go somewhere mm-hmm. and like I'm trying to evaluate. Like I'm, I, I can hear you and do that at the same time. And so because I, I mean, ever since I've re- almost since I retired, I've been in this transition period, and it, this is. I mean, he, he can see it probably better than I can. Um, all this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And because um, I'm really at a, um, a place in my life, where I'm not, not, I'm not sure. Right? We talked about, we even talked about like grieving a change, or the, we talked about that. Uh, morning your change. Morning your change, right? Sure. Uh, and so I'm going through these things, but like some things that I've gone across. So I'm getting better at saying like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't need this, and I've been saying it more often. I don't want it. I don't want it, and I don't want it. Mm-hmm. But like, it's the subconscious that becomes difficult to turn off because you don't know it's happening, mm-hmm. right? And so I go into this place where I'm trying to find this peace that I know exists, and I get it sometimes. But but like you said, ten percent of the time I get it. Ninety mm-hmm. percent of the time I don't. But the ninety percent is killing my ten, mm-hmm. right? And so I sit here and I listen, and I'm like. I'm not trying. I'm. I'm trying to say, where are these points in my life that are these things? These exact things are happening to me, and for me, I can hear like it's almost like you're talking about me, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I like I helping people. I can do it with my eyes closed. I can do without. I say it all the time. Like it was, I always call it like a when people like you think you can help. I, I can. It's a freestyle. Just just tell me what you need. Yes, I can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course I can. I can. Yeah. I can fix any problem. Mm-hmm. That's just what I do. But the, key, the the but but the reality is it's not what I want to do. Well, it's always easier to fix other people's problems. Yeah, because yeah, you're not in the way of other people's yeah. problems, right? Your your <clears throat> subconscious that's your your intellectual conscious brain. Yeah. It's like I have this information, and it's so so much of the work I do with my clients too is that they have the information, and they're like, I just don't understand why I can't take action on it. Because your subconscious brain is sabotaging you and you don't know about it. And here's how that's happening. Yeah. And there's a, there's a tool that I teach is a very specific process to like get from point A to point B and figure out what that deep-rooted fear is and then figure out what it needs um, and then build action plans and mantras based on that information. So often we'll build affirmations or goals with our conscious mind. But until we also satisfy the need of the subconscious, that's like, I need to feel safe. Um, one of the conversations I had with a client that is, uh, she's in real estate and she called and she was like, I have this, this giant income goal and I'm doing everything I can. She's like, I'm working 15 hours a day. I'm talking to everybody I can possibly talk to this, that, and the third. She's like, I just don't understand the problem. And he said, well, what are you scared of? And we traced that back to the fact that her, her mom, like in her upbringing, had told her 
if you put yourself out there, people will think you're self-centered, you're arrogant, you're selfish, you're greedy. So she's not really doing the work she thinks she's doing. Mm-hmm. And, well, it just <clears throat> she was, just all of her wasn't on board, yeah, right? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we peeled all that back, and I was like, okay, well, what makes you feel the opposite of greedy and selfish? And she's like, well, I, I love to give to children, and I love to donate to the schools and this, that, and the third. I said, okay, well, how can we tie the income goal in with this, mm-hmm. this giving? Mm-hmm. How can we connect these dots? And so she came up with a plan of, you know, for every home I sell, this is what's going to happen. And crushed it because she had a purpose. It's yeah, re- she, it was, it was reframing. Yeah, How are you six, doing? Is reframing. Six weeks yeah. later, she calls and she's like, I still have three months left of the year and I'm, I'm good. Okay. But she was fully vested yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, the- and I always <laughs> describe people because they'll ask, like, what's the difference between coaching and counseling? You know, and I think that's a great example. I say, Coaches don't deal with what's in the trunk of the car. Mm-hmm. We're concerned with the windshield and getting forward. Mm-hmm. We might go back there, open the trunk to peek and see what's in it, but we're not unpacking it. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's exactly what you did. Mm-hmm. Like you open the trunk, you're like, there's that bag, mm-hmm. close the this trunk. This is what we need. Get yep. back in the front seat and let's go forward. Mm-hmm. Whereas counselors, their yeah. job is in the trunk. Yeah. And I think that's a great example of that and how you're able to help her reframe mm-hmm. and move forward and then turn all of that into something that, that meets the goal she's trying to accomplish. Yeah, that's a really beautiful analogy. It's like every damn guest we have, hold on, let me get, every guest we have, <laughs> I'm super relaxed, right? I'm like, because I'm, I'm in deep thought, I'm just like, thinking, yes. Just thinking, just yeah, thinking about things. Yeah, I'm thinking, things. and I'm like, that's why, I, that's, that's why I a conversation early this morning of why this is important, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think it's more to it than what we well, it, like. This podcast is more than a podcast to me mm-hmm. um, because I get to meet people like yourself that have extraordinary thought patterns and, and feelings and emotions that have clarity that I may that I may practice it sometime, but I don't live it mm-hmm. right. And so I know all of our experiences are different, go different routes, go different directions, but there can be clarity in somebody else's journey, just like it can be in yours. And so, like, seeing that, because I, I, I'm a firm believer, and I'm listening to you, that, and it kind of was what our other episode was about, um, what our other episode was about. We can only be as good as we are if we've done the work ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And so, I am really good at it because I am can, I remember the point in my, in my life, it was really after Afghanistan, that's when the work began for me. Because mm-hmm. before, I remember it all, and it all, it ain't pretty, mm-hmm. right? It was fun. But it ain't pretty, mm-hmm. right? Then after was right. It's more. It's 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 not as fun, but it is pretty. That makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Because sure. I enjoy it. I see the growth, and and I've actually become better at helping others, and having more security when saying like, I don't want to do this, mm-hmm. right? And do I still have that little gremlin inside saying, Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm like, shut up. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> like, shut up. But See, like, that's a boundary. Some, We're yeah, winning. So, yeah, sometimes he wins, though. He's like, you know what? I'm going to get some other friends. You really want to do this. Uh-huh. And I'm like, sure, I do. You're right. <laughs> you <laughs> fed him after midnight, it. didn't yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. That was a water on him or something. Yep. You know yeah. what I mean? And so, like, hearing the part of, like, this is acceptance. That's what it really is. It's like like accepting the things that you try to avoid and doing the hard work, and which is hard for everyone. But I, I think the biggest thing that I'm getting from this, like the biggest part is 
I think I'm taking on not, and I, and I looked at it totally different before. Right now, I looked at it as a quantity thing, but like, oh, I got ten ten athletes or ten clients, right? But what I'm thinking is ten clients. Really, the three is that ten, mm-hmm. the bandwidth, right? Mm-hmm. That part, and I think that's where. And then that's where scarcity kicks in. Like, oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, so okay, so now I'm looking at the quantity again. I'm like, okay, well, if this one, each one of these is a hundred dollars, that's a thousand bucks, and I won't have three. That's only three hundred. Now, can I split the three into that, that ten into that three, and then that number gets like overwhelming, and then I ask myself, am I worth that? Mm-hmm. I was am gonna I say, yeah, that <laughs> sounds like undervaluing yourself, yeah, yeah, sir. Right? But it's, it's all this. It's like, but it's that like mm-hmm. it comes back to the imposter syndrome, like, yeah. Am I worth it? Like, yeah. not the financial part, but am I worth it to mm-hmm. me? Like, yeah, you have to own it first. Yeah, you have to be right? okay with it. So first. that's what I'm over here. When I ain't saying nothing, this mm-hmm. is what's going through my mind. No, it's beautiful. I, <laughs> I I love it, and I think that so many coaches get caught in that place, especially then mm-hmm. we're on conversations with people that are asking the question. That it's like. Because counseling therapy is like this, trading time for dollars. Mm -hmm. What coaches are doing, from my perspective, this is results-driven. This is about impact. This isn't about the amount of time. This is not a, Mm -hmm. I tell my clients all the time, this is not, the game is not how long can I get you to listen to me talk. Right. Like, that's boring, and I get tired of listening to myself talk, so... I know everybody else does, right? (laughs) This is about how do we get you results the fastest that are literally going to change your life forever? Well, and I think about it, Beth, from a leadership and a coaching standpoint, the best conversations, the best sessions I've ever had as either a leader or a coach Mm -hmm. is when I said next to nothing. Mm -hmm. When I asked the question that got the person on the path to solve their own thing Mm -hmm. and have that epiphany. Mm -hmm. Those are the best moments. I call those mic yeah. drop, mic drop moments. Yeah. Yes. I don't even say nothing. I, I had a, I had a, a client, and he was like, I, "Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do." So I'm not telling you because that don't help neither one of us, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, "So," and you know, how you asked that that one prompting question. They said, "I can't do this," and then you find that scenario, and you say, "What if this? What would you do then? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that." Mm-hmm. And then they'll say it, and then they'll stop talking. They'll be like. You just Ooh. got me, <laughs> right? It was one of those moments. So, I, and I, because that's what I have. I have those too. Is I'm like, I, I call them on the show Morgan moments where I'm listening, and you say something. I'm like, oh damn, that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, because you get, because you you're open to receiving it. Yeah. And like that's I, that's that's beautiful. I yeah. love that moment. And then I, I walk mm-hmm. away. I'm like, told you, you already knew you it. You just go, man, I'm good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that's the that's the draw though. Like that's the mm-hmm. part is like. As you do the work, you do get better at your craft yeah. as a coach, right? Well, we and, learned how to mm-hmm. ask better questions. That's way that's better. Because he said something to me uh, two or three, no, two, two recordings ago where, and that's probably like months ago, uh, but where he said, like, he talked about, he said, I ask questions more than I talk. And mm-hmm. like, I'm a, tell him again what I'm. What I'm more like directive. I'm nature. a direct, yes. Mm-hmm. But like, you, you both just explained it. Because I've always I get told a lot that I'm better than a counselor, right? Mm-hmm. But I now you just you kind of you kind of explain why that is because mm-hmm. I never I never knew why people would say that. I said I'm not trying to like sit here and just 
listen and then listen and listen. I'm asking you questions so you can answer and answer and answer so you can come up with solution, solution, mm-hmm. solution. Yeah. Not just like, yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. You'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, helping people great. find their own right, their their own <laughs> yeah. right answer. Because the right answer for you and the totally right answer for Jody yeah. is not the same as the right answer for me. Totally different, yeah. Because we have different skill sets and different comfort levels and different experience. Different yeah, maturity, 90 million yeah, other yeah. traits, right? And so I think one of the one of the most profound reasons that what we do is so different than traditional therapy is I don't have you guys ever tried traditional therapy? Yeah. Yeah. We're so, military, we ain't got a choice. <laughs> So my challenge was, and this is this is kind of ties into like the people pleaser part too, was that I desperately wanted the person to understand my entire perspective and the entire, like all the details that made me feel the way I was feeling. And it took up an immense amount of time just to get to, right. And then the person's going, okay, well, I still don't understand, but, and I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) this is not, it's not what I was going for. And so... One of the things that mo- that's most impactful is that we can help people get results without getting bogged down by the details. And it's actually a really difficult habit people to break in that. people. My wife hates that. I'm like, I don't need all the extra. Yeah. Just give me the... Give yeah. me, give me I'll the, need to know what shoes you're wearing. Give me the bluff. The bl- yeah. yeah, bottom line. Bottom line up front. Yeah. Just yeah. give me the boom, boom, boom. Yeah. They're like, you need to know. No. I don't. You need to know that. Yeah. Why nothing's changed. Yeah. I need to know this. Then I'll tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, or I'll ask the right mm-hmm. question that will help you find the the right answer. Correct. The whatever your heart needs to hear for validation and safety and support, you give that to you mm-hmm. because you know what you need to hear in the words that you need to hear it, and I'm never going to get close. Because you can't hear the voice in their head. Mm-hmm. I'm the only person that can hear the voice in my head. Yeah. And really, I feel like what we're doing is helping people build a better relationship with that voice in their head. Mhm. That's what it's all boiling down to. I want them to tell. I want to hear what the voice is telling them, and that's they usually not sharing that with no one else, right? Well, because it's usually it's shaming and mean. You say that that voice is usually the mean kid in high school. Mm -hmm. It's the bully. It's the it's the mean girl. It's all those things. Rarely is it the cheerleader, but the idea is to help them build a relationship where it becomes the best friend, right? Yeah, because it knows all the secrets. Yeah, and how we can prevail over the secrets, right? Like over the the stuff that's not so great in our past and our history. It's like, okay, but in spite of all those things, I am this. Right. Or because of all those things, I am this, right? And to detach, right? That was then. One of the things I say often is you don't get to shame a past version of yourself for making a different decision with different information and experience. That's right. We're here today. So looking back on it, course you learned from that experience so now you have a different perspective before that different choice yeah and it's you know talking about combat experience talking about peeling back that all of those experiences it's right you were doing what you felt was the right decision at the time and maybe the end result didn't work out Mm -hmm. right it didn't the the result wasn't what you wanted it to be but you couldn't have known right right so now, now we approach it from where are we in this moment, right? We process it from how those events changed our identity or created fears or um, shifted, shifted our perspectives about the world around us. It's like, 
I felt safe. I felt like I was doing the right thing and something terrible happened. Now what? Now, now I'm riddled with self-doubt and I can't make a single damn decision because it's right. like, oh, that went very poorly before. Well, it's because you're right? trying to drive forward by looking in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to get your eyes off that mirror and look through the windshield. Yeah. Yeah. So, so important. So impactful. I want to know what gears are turning in Morgan's head now. This is fun. I know. I'm hot. He's got the coughs. Yeah. It is warm. We're going to have to start wrapping it up soon anyway. Oh, pretty. Uh, I just got a lot of work to do on myself. I need to stop doing all the stuff that I'm doing so I can actually do the work on myself. And like every episode that we recorded today has taught me that from the call to talk this morning. Well, and back to the, the lighthouse metaphor, mm -hmm. right? Like, you need to turn the light off for a little while so you can run up and down the stairs and repair it. And there's so much shame in that. Why? Why would that be shameful? It feels shameful. What makes it feel shameful? <clears throat> because people need you? I think they do. Mm -hmm. I say they do. And so you feel guilty for not continuing to show up for people that need you. Mm -hmm. But how differently could you show up for those people? <coughs> how differently could you show up for those people if you shut the light off for a minute so you could like clean the glass and oh, replace replace the bulbs and I all the totally things? Understand. Right? Yeah, I get right. it. Just, mm -hmm. yeah. You just have to do it. Really? Yeah, I it's one it. of those things with the fundamentals that we know what needs to happen. But that avoidance behavior, because it's like, oh, the world is pulling us in so many directions all the time. It's easy to make excuses. Mm -hmm. So then as we kind of like wrap it up, what would be the thing that you would tell somebody like Morgan? You know it. You see the map, right? Mm -hmm. Like you know which direction you have to go. Mm -hmm. How do you take that first step? <coughs> Awareness of the avoidance is probably the most powerful thing. Um, I'm sure you do. I I have a million avoidance behaviors still, but I know what they are mm -hmm. and I know when I'm doing it and I can catch myself and go, what am I trying to avoid right now? Because sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I don't know why I'm busying myself with nonsense and it takes stopping and going, okay, what's bothering me, right? I think that question you just asked, what am I trying to avoid right now? Mm -hmm. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Cause that's then if you're honest and you're sitting down and you answer that question, mm -hmm then it might lead you down that path. Yeah, and a question I've heard you ask before that happens to be one of my most favorite questions is what are you pretending not to know? Yeah. Right? Because that's, that's a, great... It's, a, it's, a, it's an avoidance behavior question, <laughs> yeah. right? What am I trying to pretend doesn't exist? Because that's the thing that's driving all these yeah. actions that we want to look busy even though we're not doing anything. Right. Right, we're not making any progress. Because again, that's external... Mm -hmm. And then that Appearance, typically yeah. like there's fear that gets tied in there. Right. To, to your point. Right. It's sometimes we avoid because because of this, like then I'll feel guilty because I'm not showing up for these people and then they'll think something. Right. Right. So it's it gets tied into what we think other people will think about our decision. And when we can detach from that and say, OK, well, they'll find out why this is necessary and why it's important when I turn the light back on, mm -hmm. right? Because you'll be shining brighter. Mm -hmm. yeah. <coughs> yeah. All right. Well, Man. so much fun. I know. And as we wrap up, how can people get in touch with you, Beth? Just the website's the best one. Mindsetalwayswins.com. There's, there's plenty of information and blogs and links to book calls and, and all of that on there. 
We certainly appreciate having easy, you on, easy. and we'll have to have you back on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. Super fun. I, li- I like making Morgan's gears turn. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not to die. <coughs> yeah, you got real coffee real quick. <clears throat> I get hot. When I get hot, I get like this. So, mm. But no, everything. I think everything went really well. I mean, I always believe that I need to hear what I need to hear when I hear it. Sure. And I'm in, a, in the place to accept it. And um, it's just one of those things where it validates how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I just need to do the work. Yeah. Or take the action. And I know people can find you on Instagram as well. Instagram, uh, there's links to the Instagram and Facebook on the website. That's probably the the easiest, the easiest way. Okay. Um, You know, with a name like Beth Jones, it's really difficult to claim URLs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I try. I can't even get Beth Jones at Gmail or Yahoo or any of any any of it. Um, But yeah, Jones the third. It's probably like 1,333 at yeah. this point. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know. I, I stopped. I was like, well, we'll just start adding numbers, just I guess. Yeah. Jones asking you have it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, we'll and, yeah. Uh, yeah. As always, everybody, please leave us your, you know, your stars, your reviews, and shoot topics our way that you would like to hear us talk about. So we can have fun on the episodes, and I can have the pivotal moments in my life every time. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Beth, again. Thank uh, you. Thanks for hanging out. See you later. Bye.